Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back into the 610 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this January 4th evening. Hope everyone enjoyed the new year, had a great New Year's celebration. Um, I will get into my own New Year's celebration uh, in a moment, what I did. But first, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, obviously it was not a fantastic Saturday, the 30th, as Penn State fell to Ole Miss in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, 38-25. to The Rebels got the best of the Nittany Lions. Penn State finishes the year 10-3 and and a disappointing loss in the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl. Um, obviously, we'll be getting to that, but... You know, like I said, New Year's, hope everyone enjoyed it. I unfortunately uh, caught COVID the 26th, I believe the day after Christmas, I came down and started feeling uh, sore throat, runny nose, uh, mainly though a sore throat, but it wasn't until, uh, so I wasn't, that's why I did not record, just, you know, didn't want to, want to wear on my throat as much with all the episodes that I would have been putting out there and just feeling like crap over the last weekend and this past week. So that's why I am, you know, almost two weeks behind on everything. So trying to get caught up here with all the news that has been roaming around, um, you know, the the Philadelphia uh, sports airways and and uh, a lot of the big headlines. So there's going to be a lot of episodes being put out in the next two days. So be prepared for that. Just want to preface by saying that. So let's get into um, let's get into the Peach Bowl. It was disappointing. Uh, it was one of those classic um, Penn State games we've seen over the last two seasons where they just completely fell um, apart against better teams. But, you know, as James Franklin mentioned, it was, and this is where I give him the leeway, you were playing without a bunch of your starters. I mean, there was, you know, there there were a lot of guys out, um, a lot of players that declared, a lot of guys, you know, getting a new um you know new new look into college football and against I mean it's not like you're playing you know against Delaware or anything like that in FCS school that these kids can get snaps um you know it just uh it, it just it, it was one of those you know classic uh that that we've seen the past couple of years um from you know these New Year's Six bowl games that just doesn't do much for you because it's it's not a great game because you don't have the full twenty two going up against the other team's full twenty two, uh, and, and unfortunately, um, as Keandre Lambert Smith you know said uh, a few days ago, half of the players never played it down that were playing as he fired back at the Penn State critics. I think that. Coming from Keandre Lambert-Smith, who is a receiver that has, you know, certainly not had the amount of production that we were hoping he would have this year, he could have easily went the route of, you know, perhaps bashing his head coach or, uh, 
um, you know, maybe making a statement that seemed like he was a little frustrated with the uh, with the offensive coaches and whatnot. But he simply just said, half of these guys haven't played, so, you know, it's kind of tough to judge. Now, like I said, this is a terrible, as I was alluding to, this is a terrible look, though, for college football. I'm glad they're moving it to 12, game, uh, 12 teams for the playoffs next year, so I believe each New Year's Six Bowl game will be in the college football playoffs. That way, no kids will be sitting out. Um, and when you get to these New Year's Six Bowl games, for programs like Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan, Alabama, they mean nothing. Georgia, like, well, maybe not so much Georgia as we saw against Florida State, but Florida State too, they mean nothing for these teams that had their eyes set on the college football playoffs. I mean, this isn't... You know the where the it was the BCS national championship game, but you still had the Rose Bowl being played. You still had you know the Sugar Bowl being played. The college football playoffs was its or the BCS was its own thing. Now with the semifinals, you've got these different you know bowl games rotating around. I mean it's just the the face of college football is different. These kids growing up now coming through high school and. You know, when they follow college football, it's not a big deal playing in the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl anymore, unless you have a chance to make the national championship. So, unfortunately, you know, for these big New Year's Six Bowl games, if you weren't the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl this year, you know, you were, for lack of better words, SOL, because, you know, you're getting the, the you know, short end of it since your bowl game is being put on the back burner because kids, you know, just don't value it anymore like they used to. You know, I definitely think when this thing started up, um, you know, almost 10 years ago and when Penn State was playing in the Rose Bowl in 2016, uh, they had no one sit out. Granted, there weren't that many. Um, I think Chris Godwin was the only player that declared and got drafted that year. But when you look at, um, you know, USC even, Juju Smith-Schuster played in that game. Uh, I believe Ronald Jones got drafted that year. He played as well on for the Trojans. So, you know, it meant something to those guys that grew up watching the Rose Bowl. That, you know, that game meant something. Being at USC, being at Penn State, that meant something to have that bowl tie-in. Nowadays, it, it just doesn't. Unfortunately, it's the truth of the matter but Penn State you know um, with all these sitouts and compared to last year when there were very few you know and the few that did sit out there were there was enough depth and enough players that could um, that could come in and, and replace you know uh, you know your Joey Porter juniors and and what have you um, so as unfortunate as it was to have players that sat out, you still had guys behind you. Penn State didn't have that this year, and uh, and that's you know that's a bummer. I mean, it definitely was uh, the offense though, or the defense rather. The offense, aside from the interception, I didn't think it was terrible. The interception, and then obviously the fumble, but the game was put out of reach. The interception in the beginning, that was a huge. You know, a head scratcher from uh, Drew Aller there. I mean, that's 
that's, you know, these little moments that the offense has had this year is something that I'm hoping this upcoming season, and I think I speak for everyone when I say we're hoping that this upcoming season, Penn State, you know, completely gets rid of that. Uh, you know, they're going to be better, um, you know, coaching Drew Aller up to a point to where he's not out there making, uh, you know, some boneheaded mistakes like that. Uh, and, and that's something that, you know, they need to, James Franklin, who I think really needs to get in touch with, uh, Andy Kotelnicki. They need to go into the drawing board and they need to get a plan together and, you know, draw up plays and, and, you know, draw up ways that Drew Aller can come out and, be a better version of himself because, you know, he's into his third year. He could possibly get looks to be drafted. But, you know, he's got a long ways to go if that's the case, you know, if that's what he's looking for in his third season, which I'm sure he is. But he got a long ways to go because while we're still figuring out this transfer portal situation with who will leave, who will stay, you got to hope that Allard's going to be, you know, ready to go with that mindset that he's going to be able to come in and uh, and have things, um, you know, prepared. And, uh, and we need to see a better version of himself, to say the least, because you cannot have another season like this next year and another showing like this in your third big game of the season. So um, it was a uh, it was brutal, to say the least. Uh, I thought that. You know, without some of your heavy hitters play, I mean, Keandre Lambert Smith targeted one time was just ridiculous. But then to not even be able to really get the ball going consistently with him, you know, with with getting someone else looks so you could free him up, I thought was pathetic as well. I think it just showed. Now Wallace did have a pretty good game, four catches, sixty-seven yards, and a touchdown. He had a pretty good game. But you needed a little bit more production out of that and a little bit more early on to get things going. Um, I thought they didn't run the ball well enough. Uh, you could blame some sit-outs there as well. But, you know, I definitely think that you need you needed more of that. And defensively, I mean, listen, that was, that was a struggle with the amount of players that they had not playing in that game. Now, Curtis Jacobs did play. But no Chop Robinson, you know, that had an effect on getting pressure um, as they had uh, one sack and zero quarterback hits. I mean, that cannot happen. So they, like I said, they got to get things going with that with that uh, regard. Uh, Allen's got to be ready to come in here, get things going on the line. Um, so that way Penn State's going to be better prepared as a, a depth-wise. Because I think that really showed us how further back Penn State was in terms of their depth. That's something that they that's a that's a coaching thing right there. Not having guys prepared to go in and play. That's a coaching thing. Because they sure as heck weren't. Um one player who I thought had a good game was Kevin Winston, and I was excited to see that he had a, a solid game, nine tackles, um, which is good to see. Uh, however, you know, I mean, with the loss, it wasn't, you know, 
was anything that outstanding, but we need to see more of that um, as well moving forward. But yeah, so 38-25, it's unfortunate, but Penn State leaves fans with the sour taste in their mouth yet again. Um, and a 10-3 and season, you know, um, which is something that I think double-digit win seasons, and I'm not necessarily saying anything uh, that is not to the extent that is crazy or, or anything like that. I believe this is something that most people have figured by now is we're into year nine of this college football playoff, which is, or year 10, excuse me, um, double digit, just having a double digit win season doesn't cut it anymore for a lot of these programs. You know, it's nice to have it, but we know that Penn State can do that. We know that with the out-of-conference schedule that they play early on in the season, which is not beefed up, and then they get into, you know, some early lower-end Big Ten games, and they don't exactly like this past year, they certainly weren't playing their best ball against these low-end Big Ten teams, especially on the road, which led me to be... Um, very unsure about that Ohio State game, which I talked about on here because of how I felt this team prepared for being on the road, which it was not at all. So from that standpoint, I think Penn State needs to improve next year. But um, I, I just think that a 10-win season anymore does not seem to hold as much weight as it did before. Me personally... I don't buy into that because I still find value in having a double-digit win season. However, what leads me at this point to think, or as last year, okay, they got to 10 wins or 11 wins. And unfortunately, you lost to Michigan and Ohio State. But knowing that you had um, you know, some, some pieces there that weren't necessarily... Um, you know, ready to compete with the big boys, at least it didn't seem until they proved us otherwise, you thought, okay, Levin wins, won the Rose Bowl, that's still, that was still a successful season. This year, I don't think fans certainly have that same um, message because of, you know, losing to Michigan and Ohio State again, struggling against a team like Indiana, and, you know, just ultimately a out-of-conference schedule that just does not really do it for you. But, of course, with the 14 playoff, there's the margin for error is so small. Now that you have a greater chance with a 12-team playoff, but albeit their schedule next year is going to be a lot tougher, beginning with Week 1 when they play, I believe, at West Virginia is what I'm seeing here, you're going to have to have a um, a much better preparation going into this. And it's for sure going to have to be one that the coaching staff, I think this is the last straw for James Franklin. I really do. As crazy as it is to say, it's just, I don't know where else you go. Because at a certain point, you're gonna not get, you're not going to get respect on the recruiting trail. 
it's going to hurt you recruiting. And we can sit around and, you know, say and defend the coach all we want, but at the end of the day, you got to get results. And he's getting paid too much money to show up small in these big games. 2016 was one thing if it happened against USC in a Rose Bowl. But, you know, dude, you've been around too darn long. This is your eighth season in which you've had a team that on pen and paper looks like they could contend for a college football playoff. Um, And you can, you know, never mind 2020 and 2021 was what it was. But all the other years, the lack of preparation going into big games, the message that is clearly not getting across to the players has to change, in my opinion. That's what I need to see you done, or else that's going to be it, and they're going to be moving on. Um, at least they should. If if next year's season, I'm not saying it's a college football playoff or bust, don't get me wrong, because I think you, know, you can't control how the pollsters will vote, even when it moves to 12. But, if they come out and they're six and six, five and seven, that's it for me. That's it for me. I mean, anything other than that, and I, I, anything other than putting yourself in contention, that's it. But I digress when I look at who is leaving, which also brings an issue. It came out today that Alex Falcons will be declaring for the draft. Kalen King, the outstanding cornerback, will be as well, who could possibly be, in my opinion, at best a day-two pick at this moment. Adissa Isaac, Chop Robinson, who looks like his stock is going to be around the top ten. Theo Johnson, Curtis Jacobs, Caden Wallace, Daquan Hardy, and Olu Fashanu have all declared. That's... Some big losses on your defensive line. That's two of your starting defensive ends. A staple as a linebacker. A solid tight end who we really got to see this year put up some good numbers. One of your outs, you know, one of your best young cornerbacks that you've seen at Penn State, Kalen King, and a solid nickelback into Quan Hardy, and maybe the best offensive tackle in the draft in Olu. I mean, that's a huge, huge loss for Penn State. We're going to see what they do now. With all that, Penn State did land a big commit last night as Julian Fleming, former Penn State recruit, former five-star, the top, uh, former top recruit in the country in 2020, is coming home to Penn State. A complete, complete change of events. I didn't think it would happen, but it's happening. Listen, he is still, I mean, you have to, you know, that was a competitive wide receiver room at Ohio State. And I'm not trying to, like, say that this guy, you know, just got the wrong end of things. I mean, I definitely think there has to be a reason as to why Garrett Wilson... Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Smith and Jigba. Why all of them got looks over Julian Fleming? 
why all of them found production and not Julian Fleming. So we're going to have to see um, what the deal is here. Uh, Dante Cephas has entered the transfer portal um, as well. So obviously, hope the best for him. But Penn State, that's a big get. That's the biggest get, in my opinion, out of the transfer portal in terms of you know, pen and paper and where they were coming out of high school that Penn State has had. Um, now, Chop Robinson probably has been their best transfer portal get. Um, I would say in terms of his production-wise, he was the best. However, I certainly think that um, fellow defensive linemen uh, Arnold Abiketti Abikite has something to say about that because he was um, a solid get for Penn State as well in 2021. So ultimately, my message here, and it's been you know almost two weeks since the Ole Miss game. Um, or excuse me, it's been almost a week since the Ole Miss game. I would say that Penn State coming into this offseason, this is the greatest question mark we have seen out of this team. 2020 was bad. They had a poor season. You know, out of an eight-game season, you won three and five. Very underwhelming, but I thought we, you know, had enough momentum towards the end. Same thing with last year. 2021, you had a lot of injuries, and that just went haywire. But you felt like maybe they could have a, more of a growing season the following year and put themselves in place for a big season this year. Did not happen, um, unfortunately, even though they got the 10 wins but just did not have that same um, production that you had uh, early early on, um, you know, in, in James Franklin's tenure at Penn State. So Penn State's got a lot of questions that need to be answered, starting off with getting Drew Aller right for next year. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll be back on um, throughout the offseason as we get some more news. Um, some more news from around the transfer portal who may be leaving and who may be coming in. So thanks everyone for tuning in. And as always, I'll talk to you next time.